Well, hello, friends, and uh, welcome to Chapel Chimes. This is Pastor Dallas Payton, Jr. I'm the pastor here at Cook's Chapel Baptist Church. We thank you for tuning in to our podcast ministry that we are really kind of just getting started. This is our third and really our second full-length podcast, and this is really part two of what we began here the other day. This is the second part of the content. We're hopefully getting a little bit better at this. I know a lot of folks will be tuning into this at first will be folks who know us personally, and then as we go on and get maybe more uh, listenership, as they say, we'll have a few more. And and we're beginning, we're diving right in uh, in the podcast world, addressing, and one of the reasons we even started the podcast is because of all the criticisms and all the podcasts that are really, in, in our view, are kind of attacking uh, Bible-believing churches and Bible-believing ministries, and uh, we want to have a word of prayer because we're going to get part two, and we're actually going to talk about criticism today. This is part two. We had one the other day that talked about Christians and podcasting, just a general overview, and I want to get specific today and really look at uh, podcasting and, and really talk about what, what some of the issues are uh, with podcasting. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into the message. Dearly Father, I pray that you'd bless us and help us now as we have this podcast together. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we we had some general thoughts about the attacks and the criticisms and what is going on with podcasting. It's another avenue. It's very similar, in my my opinion, to um, radio ministry. I've done a lot of radio ministry. It it is not a sermon, uh, per se, even though you can turn a sermon into a podcast. Here on Chapel Chimes, we're just going to chime in from time to time if things are going on in our culture, you know, on politics maybe. I like to stay away from politics, to be quite honest. But uh, what's going on in, in, in the ministry world, in the church world, in Christianity, what's going on in our culture in front of us, maybe even some, from time to time sports, uh, biblical uh, things. And we'll just chime in. It won't be always a real deep thing, but I, but the last episode we talked about these the kind of the negativity that's coming um, toward Bible-believing churches and uh, what I have taken is really, in some respects, an attack. And I, I just want to address that because I don't know if it's always meant that way. But what I want to do today, I want I want to look at three things. In fact, I just wrote down here some things that 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 I think we that again, I would not necessarily cover these from the pulpit or a radio program, but I went on a podcast where we can kind of unpack it. And, and what, I, what I want to talk about is criticism. And, you know, a lot of times these, I, I have been on Twitter as long as probably most people that are on Twitter. I was early on that platform and uh, been on Twitter for a long time and before many preachers were on it. A lot of preachers use Twitter. Uh, some folks don't use Twitter at all. Twitter is really designed for uh, uh, preachers, I think, thrive on it, most of what I follow and look at. And we have anonymous accounts that have really thrived on tw- tw- uh, Twitter. We have uh, very, um, I guess, critical accounts that have really, in fact, I think even the podcasting that has been geared toward uh, the negativity against Christianity and against independent Baptist churches, in particular non-affiliated churches, what's called the IFB, have, have been from Twitter. And what I want to talk about is the criticism, because I want to address this criticism. There's a lot of 
critiques. In fact, we live in a world that I think that everybody's a critic. Everybody wants to critique everything that's happening. And it is, I believe, personally, one of the easiest things to do is to be a critic. Uh, we've, we're all critical. We're, we, we all kind of, you know, prone uh, to criticism. Uh, it's easy to critique. I mean, it's easy to, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a wall that's painted solid white and there's a smudge on it, it's easy to point that out. And now that's, that's not to say that it shouldn't be pointed out. You know, if the window is clean for 90% of it, but there is 10% that needs to be cleaned, that's not to say that, that it should not be pointed out. However, I think to pretend that it is 90% dirty when it's actually maybe even smaller than 10%, maybe 2%, I think is a false narrative. And, and that's one of the reasons what I wanted to address. But I want to talk about criticism today. I want to look at criticism as we think about when it comes to this area of these attacks. This is part two now on Christians and podcasting. And here's some of the questions that I would like to, to look at. First of all, are the critics correct? Are the critics correct? Uh, one of the things I've spent a lot of time these last weeks, I say a lot of time, I mean for, for a full-time pastor and administrator of a Christian school, we don't have a lot of time, but, I've, but I have uh, on my downtime and, and, and in my studies uh, tried to spend some time listening to these podcasts and, and the, the question comes, what part of it's true? And I must say, we must address, and I think, and I would even pose to some of my Baptist brethren, are they correct uh, when it comes to man worship? I, I have been sickened for years at the out-and-out man worship that many independent Baptists have had. I think it's sickening. I've, I've always stood against it. But most independent Bible-believing people, I won't even say independent fundamental, just Bible-believing churches, church members, pastors, leaders, missionaries, I don't know any of them that have ever been okay with it. And the, I am not new to this thing. So it's not my first time around the block. I was telling somebody, you know, the other day, I, you know, I'm affiliated with many ministries in our area in a very one-on-one uh, -on -one basis. I know many of them, uh, you know, where they went to college, what their background is, what who, the, who they are affiliated with, and a pretty good understanding of it, especially in our area. And I don't know any that were ever for man worship. And so we have always, in our communities, in our culture, been appalled at the out-and-out -out man worship. But I think, I think is, has there been man worship? I think you have to answer that yes. And that's what it really comes down to. Now, I don't know that, it's, that it is uh, within the all, I think it's more of a sectarianism is what I think most of us are bothered by. And that is our little group. Another, another word that, that a that has been a, been bandied about a lot is the word accountability, uh, and I and I think the, does there need to be more accountability would be the question. I think yes, I think the I think the model of having a a pastor led church, uh, which I believe is biblical model, but but I don't believe that it's pastor led to the exclusion of anybody else. Uh, I think having the MOG as it's called, the man of God. Uh, making every decision and being de facto dictator, I, th I, th I think is wrong. Um, and there's some good people that disagree on that, but I, I, think, I think having a deacon board or what we call a board-run church is wrong. Uh, there has to be where the congregation is involved, where there is 
love and grace in, in leadership where a pastor leans upon um, the people of his church, his deacons, his advisors, the trustees, however you want to set it up. And I think there's some, I think there's some grace to do that. But there is many times no accountability, and especially between churches. You know, I, I've seen where a man has a sexual problem, sin, whatever it may be. It could be finance. It could be whatever. And he literally moves the next county over. Uh, I've seen it. Uh, it happens all the time. I think that is an absolute huge problem. And to act like it's not, I think, is to actually give some of these who I think have another agenda. I think these people that are attacking churches through their podcast have a totally different agenda than to really address that. Because that doesn't just go on between independent churches. That goes on in every denomination, in business world, in the secular world, in the sports world. I mean, you name it. That's just a, that's human nature. Accountability needs to be in every hand. But I think... If, if we look at criticism, are they right? Are they right when it comes to man worship, accountability, boys club? You know, I always say there's a clique and I'm never in it. And I, and I really think that we have to look at that and say, hey, look, look, if it's a if it's a politics and, and I, I have ta- I've had this conversation with preachers that there is a select few preachers. And I think what happens is, is people get their feelings hurt because they don't fit in to that select group that get on a national platform. But the majority of churches and the majority of Christians have no idea what you're even talking about. When I make these podcasts, there's going to be people that listen to this and say, what in the world is he even talking about? And so I do think there is, you know, I hear that a lot of boys club, the politics. Uh, the one, the one that, that I really think is probably the best argument and the most powerful thing that these these recovering, he's attacking these abuse, uh, you know, Twitter, Twitter accounts and podcast is the argument of the lack of a deep, a, a depth of, or deep study of scripture. To me, that's the most uh, disheartening and frustrating because I think it's actually true. Uh, it is the most damaging uh, to our churches is that we, we as preachers and as churches and as denominations as whatever you know whatever you want to call it have not really established uh having a deep study of scripture establishing a strong library establishing the fact that you can discern from people who disagree with you on some points uh and say look i'm not i don't believe in that type but what are you know calvinism arminianism if it's uh you know, dispensational or covenant, if it's if it, whatever it may be, if it, it, you know, I don't agree with that person on their interpretation of a such and such passage, but yet 90% of their stuff is pretty good. So I'm going to have their books in my library. I, I think there is a legitimate cause of concern that people have gotten away from expositional preaching or even textual preaching and got into to topics where they have a hobby horse. And if that continues and continues and continues, now, there, there's some questions that I would have to that, to unpack that, and, and it would take a while because I don't think it's always the case. I think if all you ever hear them is, is at a meeting or if it's an evangelist, but I think many churches, though, have, you know, they have whole series on, you know, the book of James or the book of Romans or the book of, you know, the Gospels or, you know, Psalm 23. I mean, there's sermon series all over the place within our churches that people do delve into the book, the, the Word of God, and, and, and it's not as shallow, but... I do think that that uh, even some of the Bible colleges don't have an established reputation, especially 
of being rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And, and uh, in fact, the most popular preachers, it seems, the ones who do get the national spotlight, so to speak, I hate to use that word, but are the ones who are very, in, in my opinion, and I think in, in some of these who are uh, attacking or polemic in their, out, in their uh, outlook, is uh, that it is shallow and it is frivolous and it is showy. And it's not rooted in ground, and it's not very deep. In fact, I, I, I was at a national huge meeting, very popular meeting here a couple of years ago, and literally the, the best sermon that I thought as, a, as, a, as a, an experienced pastor, I heard people in the, in the crowd saying it, you know, it, it, even amongst people that I knew would say well, it was the most boring sermon of the week. That's a problem. I think that's a, that's a huge problem, in fact. And I think it goes back to the spirituality of our people. Uh, but that's not to say that that's the church's fault or these preachers' fault. So I think we have to look at those criticisms. And I don't know that I'm going to get through uh, all of this today because there's so much more that we get into. And then I, I think when we think of criticism, another question, are the critics correct? And then why would it take critics to pull it out? You know, why haven't pastors and preachers been honest? And maybe it's because they don't have a platform to really address it. You can address it in a podcast. It's very hard to address certain things behind the pulpit. It's very hard to have private conversations, you know. It's very hard. And I do think the the, the avenues we have now, the internet, we, the, you know, the question and answer times, and, and I might have some people on here and, and really get into some of the questions and answers. But 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 I think, you know, I think, that, I think it's a legitimate question is why have some of our preachers and pastors who are many times our heroes, you know, why haven't they? I mean, I've been around some that are very kind. I've been around some that are very rude. Um, you know, our culture here, we, we try to be very friendly and very outgoing. And many times some of these preachers are not that way. And so our people do not care for that. But so when we, I think there needs to be, why would it take a critic to pull out some of these things? Why is, why are some of these things being covered up? Why has some of the sexual sin, the accusations not be brought out? Is it because they're trying to protect a family member or loved one? And that has obviously taken place. Why have other preachers not held their feet to the fire? Is it, I mean, it does kind of show, it reminds me of being in a, you know, in a, in a high school cafeteria. You know, we, we're sitting at our table and our tables are, but that's sectarianism. That's a different issue than some of the other, the other things that, that uh, we deal with. And then, so when we think about the cover-ups, and then I would say this, though, to the critics. I, I would say when we look at critics, I, I would ask this question. Are you sure? Are you sure these things are taking place? And this is what I really want to address here, and I'm going to spend just a few more minutes. Here. I don't want to be too long with this. But are you sure that these, these critiques that you have uh, that are so in-depth, are you sure they're taking place? For example, I hear people saying, like, uh, let's say whatever camp that's out there, and they'll say, well, there's just so much of this that's going on in our fundamental churches, and I can literally go from one end of our state to the other end of our state, and I, and I would like somebody uh, to show me. To, I would like somebody to just uh, show what it is that you're talking about, what, what church, what ministry, what rule, what judgmentalism, what's being said. It's simply, uh, seriously, not taking place from, you know, a, a, a city in the south to a city in the north. I mean, I could take you through them. 
Now, I know that, you know, we live in a rural state. It's a little bit different. There's a little bit of things, you know, other areas, you know, there's more churches in probably one city than is in our state. And I understand all that. But the truth of the matter is, though, is that I, I want to ask, are you sure that's really going on or is that a straw man? And, I've, and I would go so far as to say this, before we call for the end of the independent Baptist church, and these unaffiliated churches, and because I, I keep hearing this, like I just wish they ceased to exist, which I think comes from bitterness and hurt and pain. We may want to make sure that what we're saying is actually accurate. Could it be that there are literally hundreds of ministries, thousands of church members? Because there's a lot of small churches. There's a lot of churches running 25 and 30 in the hills and hollers of the Appalachian region, for example, that that really have no idea what you're hardly even talking about. I mean. The average church in the Southern Baptist, it used to be about 88, 89 people per church. I mean, these are not monster churches. And, uh, and to say that you want these things to cease to exist, I think is, are you sure? Are you sure it's facts and not feelings? Uh, because feelings are something that's very arbitrary. And uh, when you think of facts, for example, uh, you know, I, I saw a thing where somebody said that they were, uh, they tried to equate being, having something improper go go that happened to them. And it probably was improper. I'm not saying, I'm not defending any of these accusations. But they said, well, it was a rape. Well, it, you know, the question then becomes, was it improper or was it a rape, for example? Those are two different things. And we, we have to look at the fact. Now, if you want to make the argument, well, improper is improper, that's horrible. I'm in total agreement. It, it shouldn't be, they should be, defrocked or you know de whatever decommissioned whatever word you want to give they should not have another ministry all that i think is legitimate thing to look at but i do think to spin this or to have the straw man that that everything that has happened to the critics i'd say are you sure that these things have taken place now, it could be that they have, and if they have, I am 100%, and I think we as Baptist people are making a major, major mistake uh, by not addressing that, by not bringing that out, by not calling it what it is. I, therefore, I would say to these uh, folks who are having what I consider these attacking podcasts, I don't take that as an attack. I think, I think some of those are legitimate criticisms. I think we absolutely ought to own that. Uh, I, I think to twist it or to spin it or to make it sound worse than it is actually hurts those who have been hurt. We don't talk about the victims enough. I don't think we realize the long-lasting, generational, decades effect of somebody doing this. in the. I mean, you're hearing people bring this up that happened in the 60s and the 70s. Some of these people are, are themselves 50 and 60 and 70 years old sometimes that are bringing some of these things out. But I do have to caution, though, that not everybody that makes an accusation is credible. Not everybody that says things. I have dealt with teenagers and young people, and I can tell you firsthand, I think of one situation where a young lady was getting ready to make an accusation against someone who I, and I knew it wasn't happening, and it's because she got upset and did not like just this guy's personality. And she backed off because she knew that there just wasn't anything to it. But she almost did. And I, I caught wind of it. And I said, now, nah, come on. You know that that's not the case. Don't. That's, that's not fair. And she caught herself and didn't do it. I mean, it just absolutely wasn't true. 
And so to pretend that that does not take place in some of these accusations, I think is naive. In fact, it could be that it actually hurts the people who really have been have been abused. And again, I think the abuse is just sickening. I think it's just horrible. And I think shame on every pastor. And I would take the name down of an independent Baptist church if that's what it's going to be about. If a person cannot look at criticism and be fair about it, then I'm 100%. Uh, you know, I'll make a podcast going against my brethren if they're not for that. However, we must have a balanced approach on this. Well, this... We're about 20 minutes in. I could go another 20 minutes. I'm trying to keep these at about 20 minutes and uh, and try to address these. So I guess we're going to have to go to part three because there's still some more things that I would like to look at when it comes to the to, to these issues that are being raised. The very fundamental, I mean, there's some of these podcasts that their very existence is based upon some of these things that, that I'm talking about here. I hope that they get to listen to these and they'll hear this out. It could be that it just bores them to tears. I get that. We want to get into some other things, but I hope it's been a help to you. I hope it's been an interest to you. We'll pray and we'll close out today's edition of Chapel Chimes. Lord, I pray you be with us. Bless those who are listening. And I pray for these issues that you'll just help us. We love you today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.